that they have been done in God. What an interesting chapter, isn't it? It's an amazing chapter because here Nicodemus, who is a very religious man, a very intelligent man, is completely unaware of what this is really all about. And Jesus is going to speak to him concerning the new birth or being born again. The new birth, being born again, is essential to being a Christian. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Nicodemus was one of those impressed by Jesus' signs and a member of the ruling Sanhedrin. He was a religious man of the Pharisees, educated, influential, and earnest enough to come by night. Nicodemus came to Jesus as a representative of all men, and in a sense, he represented what is highest and best in men. Perhaps Nicodemus came by night because he was timid, or perhaps he wanted an uninterrupted interview with Jesus. Either way, Jesus was about to give him and us the key to becoming a true Christian. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to uh, John's Gospel. And Father, we come before you, Lord. We, um, this chapter that we're looking at this morning, Lord, is, is so critical. God, perhaps one of the most important chapters of the New Testament, certainly one of my favorites. And Lord, your desire is to reach fallen man. Your desire has always been to reach fallen man. Lord, not to leave man in his, in his state, Lord, that we were born in, Lord. But Lord, you desire to give us new life, Lord, through the, the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord the new birth, being born again of the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would open these words to us. Open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to look at the first 21 verses this morning. I hope we can get through all of them. But honestly, of all the chapters in the New Testament, this is one I don't want to just rush through. Um, so we're going to take a little bit little bit of time. We Last week we really got into an introduction to this chapter. And so we will see how far we get, and then we'll take communion together. Follow along with me, if you would. It says in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? But Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. That they have been done in God. What an interesting chapter, isn't it? It's an amazing chapter because here Nicodemus, who is a very religious man, a very intelligent man, is completely unaware of what this is really all about. And Jesus is going to speak to him concerning the new birth or being born again. The new birth, being born again, is essential to being a Christian. In fact, if you are not born again, you are not a Christian bound for heaven. You are simply a religious person who hopes that their good deeds somehow outweighs their evil deeds and somehow at the end that those balances will, be, will tilt in the favor of your good deeds. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible has something entirely something different to say. The Spirit of God speaking through Paul in Romans, he says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That kind of puts it right to the point, doesn't it? If we do not have the Spirit of God indwelling us, we are not a Christian. We are not a Christian bound for heaven. A lot of people can call themselves Christians because they do good deeds, but your good deeds and my good deeds will not get us to heaven. The Lord says that our good deeds are like filthy rags in comparison to what is absolutely necessary, and that is the very atonement, the very blood of Christ that makes us 
one with God. The holy sacrifice of the blood of Christ is the only way. And we must have the Spirit of God in us. Paul the Apostle understood this very well. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says, For what I am doing I do not understand. And here's Paul, the great, the, the great apostle, talking about this dichotomy of natures within him. He says, For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And then he says this, and I think all of us have been to this place. I know I've been here many times where I would say, just like the Apostle Paul, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Can anybody understand that? Does anybody, can anybody relate to that? You get to the point where you realize there's really nothing good within me. There really isn't. Even on my best days, I think, well, I deserve heaven when everything is going well and I'm having a good day. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how good your day is, we were born in sin. We need a new nature. We need to be born again. And this is what Paul is talking about. And he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers the question. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. There's the answer. Who is going to deliver me from the body of death? It is Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. He was very much aware of these two natures. He was born with a sin nature just like you and I, but now we have this new nature within us. If you're born again, there is a new sheriff in town on the, on the altar of your heart. And it's supposed to be that way. I can't imagine living in this life without the Spirit of God indwelling me. I lived enough of my life outside of God, not having the Spirit of God in me. And I can tell you, it didn't turn out very well. I think you can all probably say the same thing. But with the Spirit of God, now I have the witness of God in me, not only revealing things to come, conforming me to his image, giving me the strength and the will. The will is such a nasty rascal in our life. Because we can will to be, to do whatever we want. But when I will to do God's way, God's time, that means he's got control of my life. And believe me, you need to be possessed by the Spirit of God. Doesn't that sound weird? Because when we think in our culture, people being possessed by spirits, evil spirits. But you know what? I want to be possessed by the one. The Holy Spirit of God. Come consume me, Lord. Take over all. I mean, shine the light in every dark place. And remove the evil in my heart that is there. And replace it with your spirit. Give me a new heart, God. Isn't that what David cried out in Psalm 51? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. We need that. It's essential to being a Christian. Like 
Paul says, unless we have the Spirit of God indwelling us, we have no right to call ourselves a Christ one, a Christian. We have no right. We have no strength, no power. Then we're just left to our own devices. And let me tell you, that's not a good thing. Left to my own devices, I know what mess I make of my life. But notice, Jesus has this dialogue now with this very religious man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, his mean literally means victorious among his people. A conqueror, that's what his name means. And let me suggest to you that this man, even though he was completely without understanding of who Jesus was and what he was supposed to do, And just three and a half, about roughly three years later from this moment that Jesus meets with him, he becomes a completely changed man. He becomes a changed man. He's mentioned three times in the New Testament. The first time we see is this interview that he has with Jesus that we're reading this morning. The second time we read of Nicodemus is in John chapter 7. It says that the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? In other words, why haven't you arrested Jesus, this troublemaker? And what did the officers answer? They said, No man ever spoke like this man. And then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the, or the Pharisees believed in him? In other words, you're not allowed to have your own mind. We think for you. You obey what we say. Does that sound like the world we live in today? It's looking more like that all the time. You have to conform to our image. We don't want you conforming to Christ's image. But are we to obey God or man? You obey God. I'm going to obey Jesus Christ. Amen? There's great joy in obeying Jesus. Because when I obey him, there's blessings for obedience. There is. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's not easy all the time. Sometimes it is, and I'm thankful But most of the time, it's an uphill battle. But without the Spirit of God, it is nearly impossible. But with the Spirit of God in us, there's nothing in heaven above or earth beneath that can pluck us out of His hand. If you're one of His, He takes care of you. And it's a sealed deal. It's not something you have to continue to to, to kind of work for yourself. Just let the Spirit of God work in you. We will look at that later. But notice he goes in, but, but the crowd, he says, Are you also deceived? The Pharisees said to the officers, Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law is accursed. And Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? And they answered and said, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee, which is not true. Jonah was from Gath Hefer, an area in, uh, in Galilee. But notice, Nicodemus stood up and did the right thing. He was just speaking the truth. We don't judge a man unless we hear him. We're hearing a lot of stuff about him, but until you hear him. But Nicodemus' heart here is warming up to Jesus. He was also instrumental in helping Joseph of Arimathea get Jesus' body down from the cross and prepare him for burial. You'll remember in John chapter 19 that after Jesus was crucified, it says that Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, Joseph of Arimathea, 
He asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. Notice, and our friend here, Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. And then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews was to bury. So this Nicodemus, after three years of being around Jesus or being hearing about him, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. He was no longer a timid believer. I don't think he really was ever a timid believer, but I think he was cautiously optimistic. And we see that he was, he had good thoughts toward Jesus initially. He didn't quite understand. But this man, Nicodemus, was part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the supreme, the highest court of justice in the Supreme Council in ancient Jerusalem. It consisted of 71 members made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees would believe pretty much what we hold to. The Sadducees didn't believe in the, uh, the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They certainly didn't believe in the resurrection. And it's sort of, it's sort of like the way our government is set up now. But the 71 members made of Pharisees and Sadducees. And remember, the Sanhedrin, they didn't have the authority to do a lot of things. Or they had a lot of authority to do some things. But one thing they couldn't do is sentence somebody to death. The death penalty was something only that the Romans were able to decree. And their method of capital punishment, as you know, is crucifixion, unlike the capital punishment of the Jews, which was stoning. But this is why the Jews had to come to the Sanhedrin, or the Sanhedrin had to go to Pilate to get permission to crucify Jesus. They didn't have the power to crucify him. And Nicodemus was part of this body of men, highly respected men. But notice in verse 2 it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, perhaps for a couple reasons. We know that at this time, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was happening in Israel, in Jerusalem. The place was bustling with activity. Millions of worshipers, pilgrims from all over the place, coming in to worship. Nicodemus, being a member of the Sanhedrin, was a very, very, very busy man. Very busy man. It could be that he spoke to Jesus by night because his day was completely filled with the tasks of his office, of the things that he did. Or it could be, as some propose, and it's possible, that he was afraid of what his cohorts might think of him fraternizing with Jesus. It could be. But I don't believe that Nicodemus was a coward. I just think he lacked the information, and it took some time for it to wear on him until he finally gave his heart to Christ. And so in this interview, he clearly doesn't know who Jesus is. He's open and curious, unlike the others. But again, after his crucifixion, after Jesus' crucifixion, before his resurrection, Nicodemus was no longer afraid to be associated with Jesus. Because do you understand that for him to go with Joseph of Arimathea and to take the body, that bloodied body, off of the cross publicly, was tantamount to suicide politically and religiously. He was not a silent witness any longer. He was blown in. He made his affection known, and now everybody knew who he stood with. And why is this such a big deal? 
Because as Jesus, as they took Jesus off the cross, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they were basically disqualifying themselves from serving in the Passover, which according to that time, it was a high Passover, a very significant one. And they would be disqualified from serving in their normal activities. And why is that? Because of this verse right here in Numbers. And they knew this scripture very well. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. Seven days he shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. And then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. So those who think that Nicodemus was a coward would see that he would not be a coward any longer once he did that. Everybody would know. He was a marked man now. Even the men that he was in the council with, these 71 other members, these other men who respected each other greatly, Nicodemus would be labeled. He would have a letter, in a sense, placed upon him, a mark. You know how hard that is? Have you been a part of a group of people that... You finally get to this place of you got this respect and notoriety and you're, you're, you're doing really well and you're highly respected and you're in this group of people. They respect each other. They hold each other in high esteem and everybody exalts them and practically worships them. And then to be one of them and be willing to walk away from it all for the sake of Jesus Christ. How many people have walked away from very prestigious degrees, prestigious jobs, prestigious positions in society because they believed in Jesus. Quite a few. Would to God that there were more. But Nicodemus exposed his own misunderstanding of who Jesus was. First, he called him a rabbi or a teacher, which clearly he was, those things. Because said no one could do these signs unless God was with him. But he failed at this time to understand that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, incarnate in human flesh, foretold by hundreds of years and even a few thousand years of his coming and of his purpose. And we know these scriptures very well in Isaiah. He was the long-awaited Messiah. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the, not just any virgin, but the virgin. Who was that virgin? It was Mary. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. What does it say in Isaiah 9, 6? Unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God everlasting father really this baby this son the everlasting father the uh, almighty god oh yeah (laughs) even in daniel in the days of the kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever Aren't you looking forward to the day when the millennial reign, when when Christ comes back in his second coming and he sets up a thousand year reign and you and I will rule and reign with him, the Bible says. All these things Nicodemus was aware of. 
And Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah was equivalent to God in the flesh. Every Jewish person knew that. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.